What's up, guys? Welcome back to Drugs and Stuff with Dave Crossland. I'm Scott McNally. All of our programming is brought to you by truenutrition.com. You could use our code THINK for some added savings, plus you help to support our programming, uh, supplementsource.ca for you Canadians. And if you're in the UK, go to evalbloodanalysis.com. You can get your lab work done uh, through eval with Dave. Dave, we got a rapid fire session today. You woke me up really early. Actually, I got up like a few hours ago, but we're, we're doing an early show because you have a busy day. You demanded it of me. Yesterday, you texted me and you were like, we got to get this started. I've got stuff to do. Yeah. Pretty much. Basically. I've we, got the stuff part of drugs and stuff to do. We do have a ton of questions. Uh, and I think what we'll do is we're going to try to do like a rapid fire session because we have such a hard time getting through all of them. Uh, what's up everybody in the live feed by the way thanks for tuning in uh, anybody who is uh new here anybody watching on youtube i encourage you to subscribe to our content we have several programs coming out each week tons of bodybuilding education entertainment all of that and uh all your comments likes all that stuff it helps to boost us up so we appreciate you david oh um real quick before we get started i don't know i just i don't know i just drank but it wasn't pleasant was it urine anyway, no, have you been I don't no? know what it was what did it look like? Coffee, but... Huh. You think your wife anyway. might be trying to poison you or something? Oh, most definitely this week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, hey, but real quick, before we get started with our questions, um, I just wanted to ask you, how is your online course, Pillars of Strength, going? Really good, actually. Oh, really good. Wait, what? Um, what? Yeah, Re really, really good, actually. Um, first session is probably the weakest of the course, and everybody really enjoyed that. And it just sort of got people thinking a little bit out of their boxes about the way they approach diet. Okay. And then this last week was stimulation, so it's all about training and, and engaging the muscle and that sort of stuff and different techniques. Uh, and their homework was to go away and basically practice the techniques, you know, play with the different rep tempos, play with different rep styles and, and everything else. And so, and, and it's the, the chat, because we have a little group chat for each course so everybody can just sort of interact and ask questions. Um, and the messages all week have been bouncing of, you know, fucking hell, this has changed how I train. I really, wow, it's been nice. really, really positive. Nice. So, um, yeah, I'm going to um, basically launch another course in a couple of weeks, I think couple more so you're gonna start another one yeah um yeah i think so um the feedback's been good and, and obviously this is helping me develop the course and make it better every time so i want to try and get another one in okay uh, before i get too busy with show season and then i'm struggling to run one okay well before we get started with these questions real quick well how would people reach out to you if they were interested in taking part in the next pillars of strength just message me either Facebook, Instagram, all the usual crap. You know, email me davidcrossons.org.uk. Uh, send me a carrier pigeon. It doesn't matter. Anything. Bottle, okay. bottle with a message in. Okay. Um, it's, it's a six to seven week course, two hour sessions done on an evening. There is homework. There is work to do away from the course. We, we cover diet. We cover stimulation training effectively um and then we start looking at drug impacts how they work what compounds do what how to build cycles how to manage effects etc etc just bear with me one second why are you not doing it you have 45 minutes if he throws phil off now we're recording a podcast and dave is dave is doing this oh well hey what's up Hey, how's it going? Okay. Grief. Um, <laughs> All right, listen, we got to move on, man. The way YouTube okay. works, like if we don't like get right in and like start delivering this content, like within the first breath, then people are like already watching something. They're watching Nick Trigilli now. They left us. They're gone. Uh, so we'll just do this show just for us. How about that? That's because you're ugly. <laughs> That's what people tell me. I'm going to just dive into the questions, guys. If you want to take part in the next show, uh, feel free to comment, and we will tackle your questions. Um, okay, I'm just going to start here from the top. These are from last week's show. 
This is from our, our good listener, Paz. He's been with us for some time now. Um, first of all, he said, uh, it's like you read my mind, Scott and Dave. Literally just wanted to drop the test in DECA uh, insulin question. So he <coughs> answered questions from him from last week. Uh, <laughs> Paige says, Nick is all about the drama. That's true. We don't have a lot of drama around here. Uh, question for the next one. As far as harm reduction, is it worth it to run fat burners prior to trend balloon? Meaning starting trend after your hard cardio and calorie cut. Thank you, guys. What do you mean by that? From a harm, from a, right. That's a bit of an odd question. Harm reduction wise, hard cardio is always going to be good. And I would recommend keeping it in throughout. There is no benefit running fat burners before Trembolone, and really all you're doing is adding another compound that's more stress, more toxicity, uh, particularly with the nature of Clen, because uh, obviously Clen will stress your central nervous system. Um, so there's no advantage to that. I'm guessing what they're meaning is that uh, to try and offset the cardiovascular impacts of Trend. Oh, okay. I, I'm guessing. I don't know, but no, there's there's no benefit to running fat burners prior to a Trend cycle at all. I was wondering if he meant like we're, you know, run the fat burners to get leaner so that you don't need to run trend as long, thinking that trend was also going to be like the fat burner. I don't know. Well, the, the, leaner, the leaner you are, the, or the less compound you're going to need um, of anything. Yeah. I mean, that that's across the board. Um, yeah. Fat cells have antigen receptors. They use compounds. So the fatter you are, the more compound will be lost in fat. All right. Vanilla Gorilla. I thought that was you, Dave. You're the vanilla gorilla. That's a different guy. Mm-hmm. Question for the next show. Uh, looking to run a little trend E for a cleanup going into summer. Never ran over 500 milligrams of test. Thinking of running 200 milligrams of sip and 200 milligrams of trend E for 10 weeks. Any thoughts? Should I up the test to 500 or will that bring too sloppy of a look and should, or should I keep the test low? Really want to get peeled one time to have an idea uh, of time and drug ideas for contest. Uh, pinning two times a week, currently 240 with abs at 511. Stop there, I think. There's more, but that, that I think, gives There's, us everything we the test, the, the test to trend relationship is fine. You don't need to run a higher portion of test to trend. 200 to 200 is perfectly fine. No problem with that. Um, I mean, obviously, trends are harsh drugs, so just bear that in mind. Um, comp prep-wise, I would always leave trend out to the very last minute, and I'd only probably bring it in the last sort of four or five weeks. Um, otherwise, you generally test mass primo, that sort of combo for, for, for comp prep. You're not going to need a shitload of drugs to comp prep. You just need the whole size. Yeah. Yeah, there's, you can get a bit of growth early on in the diet, and also that will very much depend on how sloppy you are off-season or how inconsistent you are off-season, because a lot of people start growing when they start prepping because it's the first time they're truly focused and consistent. Yeah. He's a big dude. Um, 240 with abs yeah. at 5'11". He's got a lot of muscle he, on him. He's got a decent size, um, but then, hence the name, eh? But then, <laughs> obviously, you know, when you get into your last six weeks of prep, growth growth doesn't really you know you're not looking for growth you're not really going to see much growth or you shouldn't be doing anyway so no. it's more about maintenance and you don't need huge doses to maintain yourself you know all that said um he said you know should i up the test to 500 or will that bring in a sloppy look no the, the gear is not going to give you a sloppy look your your nutrition is you know if you can get well, absolutely lean um, even if your estrogen isn't in the best place, like say like you don't control estrogen perfectly and it's riding a little high, you're still not going to look sloppy if you're peeled. Yeah, but obviously there is a water connotation to higher test. I think that's what he's getting at is that if he runs his test higher, he then has to deal with the higher estrogen and therefore has a the risk of potential water issues from that. But at the end of the day, he's not going to get sloppy at 500 if he manages his estrogen either. Yeah, yeah, and I guess that's kind of what I'm getting at is, you know, uh, guys that I've worked with over the last decade, we uh, we we don't lower the test, and I mean, I mean, some of the guys are using higher doses, but we're also talking about people who are competing at national level shows and even the IFBB, and I mean, 
I know guys, my guys I've worked with and guys outside of that, people who are running a gram of test and that they're not coming into shows looking sloppy, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and two, I'm with you. You don't need to run that trend early. I'm not a fan of trend E and I'm not a fan of trend E for contest prep, especially. Um, I want to be able to more exactly modulate the effect and with trend ace you can dose it low you can dose it frequently and you can adjust to get rapid changes you know like changes in side effects if you're starting to have sleep issues then hey maybe we pull it back from 50 every other day to 40 and we see like hey or you take a couple day break you know reset a little bit but you you get that trend E in there and then you've just got what you've got. And if you don't like it and you're two weeks out, you're, you're not going to have a lot of time to be able to make an alteration into the show, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Look at us. We're rapid firing through stuff. Question for the next podcast, uh, adding into managing anxiety while on gear, which was a question we talked about last week. Oh, people are going to ask, by the way, Dave, um, what is all that sound? That's Mrs. Crossland upstairs, right? Like she's doing work and walking around the house, right? That's what that is. So the physio's here. Um, oh. He was supposed to. He was supposed to be doing me, and then he was supposed to be doing our last and me. And then a friend of mine rang and said, "Could he jump in because he's got real bad sciatica and he could do it out?" So he's jumped in. Unfortunately, the physio has taken longer than. Uh, we expected on him, so she can't now have her session because okay. she's got a client sat. She's got a client sat waiting outside for an IV. Oh. Okay, I just wanted to mention that because I have a real good vibe for our listeners, and they're gonna say something about those noises. They're gonna be like, "What the hell's going on? Is somebody unpacking boxes or some shit?" And be like, "No, you know, it is what it is, guys. We do it, our best." It's an old. It's an old house guy, all right? Uh, the house is 300 years old. I'm Holy in the basement shit. underneath the, underneath the living room. Give me a break. Come on. I don't know if there's anything 300 years old <laughs> in the United States, Dave. Like, there's everything... lots of things 300 years old. No, Just... like, they built everything in here like around 1990. They just tear the old stuff down and they build, they build new stuff here. Oh, I'm sorry. Anyway, question for the next pack. Okay, so last week we talked about managing anxiety on gear. Uh, I found that my first uh, two cycles of 300 milligrams, my anxiety actually got better. I had less attacks or was able to stop overthinking easier. Have you yourself or had any clients had the same experience? I have seen it. And in most cases, it's been because the individual was suffering with low testosterone in the first place and didn't realize it. Yep. That's what happened to me. I... I had, you know, various mood issues and stuff through my life. And then when I ran my first cycle, I was like, oh, man, I feel totally balanced. And then I went into TRT from there later, obviously. And uh, and, and it, it it kind of ironed itself out. So I don't know, man. I mean, maybe coming off of drugs and getting recovery helps, too. But um. All right. We'll keep rolling here. Ash, he says, shout out Mondays being best day of the week as per scott and dave deliver he says how's married life scott it's going really good thank you this is nice victoria gets to stay here now uh she's she's building a garden in the back which is really cool uh question for both of you next time hopefully do either you believe in using taking intra-workout slash eaa and carbs or uh just is it just a fad and doesn't make much of a difference thanks guys i i wouldn't say it's just a fad um i'm of the opinion that it's not that impacting for 99 percent of people and, and that most people would get much more benefit from improving other areas of what they do Mr. Stevenson will tell me off and say it actually has an impact in this, that, and the other, which I know, yes, it does. It, you know, scientifically, it does do this, it does that, it does do the other. But in the real world, I think its impact is minimal in comparison to, say, putting more effort into your actual training itself. Yeah. But for some people, I mean, there's there's definitely an impact. Uh, you know, people feel better on it, and as a result, they train harder on it. So there's definitely some advantages to, to running it, but I personally, 
I'm, I won't say I'm not a fan. That's probably the wrong way of putting it. I just think it's unnecessary. I can understand your perspective. Um, I think, it, you know what, it does highly depend on the individual, their program, their goals. And, and the, the intro workout isn't the first place I go. Um, I like I like it for guys that uh, have longer workouts. I think that there can be a benefit of it there. And the, something I've noticed is I don't use it as much anymore. Like, like back when highly branched cyclic dextrin first came out, um, we were experimenting really high doses. So my training partner, uh, Shelby Starnes, was really good friends with John Meadows. And John and Shelby were, were pushing that stuff up to like 200 grams intra-workout carbs. Um, I push it up that high too. I, I don't do that anymore. But I do find that even like a half a scoop will help somebody with recovery that wasn't getting great recovery before. So especially guys who have longer workouts, guys who are really digging themselves in a hole, it can be a way to be able to continue pushing hard uh, without having to pull back. I think that it can be a benefit there. And then we've talked about it before, Dave. It can be another meal. Like if you have your whole diet loaded up, then you can add in 25, 50 grams of carbs while you're training with EAAs. EAAs literally get pushed right into your bloodstream. You know, I think that could be a benefit. Um, yeah, there's definitely room there for squeezing in, but that, that to me, is the sort of back end of doing something rather than the early end of doing things. Totally agree. Yeah, totally agree. I think the one mistake people make is you want the intra to have the least amount of like got you you don't want it to do a lot of work to get it into your system you don't want to pull the blood away from your muscle so things that are like highly branched like dextrin that's going to just slide right into your system as long as you keep it mixed really thin but guys who are doing like creatine and all sorts of other shit and a ton of carbs and protein like that that takes energy for your body to break down and that blood's going to move inward you know, to your digestive system versus being at the muscles. So you want to keep it light, keep it thin, basically try to get it in without your body recognizing it, that it needs to process well, it, you know? I would I would have said probably the fact that you're training is going to restrict the blood flow to your stomach, and as a result, your absorption is going to be quite poor if it's not really, really easily absorbed. There's probably that too, yeah. All right. Question for the next show. Hey, guys. Um, EQ Astro question. I ran 400 milligrams of test, 300 NPP on the last cycle. This upcoming one, I plan on bumping 500, 400 and adding 500 EQ. I ran 8x.5 three times a week with no EQ. Should I keep AI the same? So he's adding an EQ. He's increasing his test. Should he keep AI the same through my research. I've heard vastly different answers. Thanks for the show. Love the show. Yeah, there's there's EQ converts to E1. There's this big argument that that would then reduce the conversion to E2 of testosterone, therefore effectively lowering effective estrogen levels because E1's a bag of shit and doesn't really do anything um, from point of view estrogen side. Um, that's a big jump, 700 to nearly 1.5 gram. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'd be, I'd be, to be honest, I'd be more tempted to say just run the first two and scrap the EQ, personally. So, okay, so he's going to do NPP as well, 500 test, 400 NPP plus the EQ? Holy shit, yeah, that, yeah. that's a good jump. Yeah, where before he did 400, 300 with no EQ. I wouldn't have bothered with the EQ personally, but if he's adding the EQ in, I would, I would, you can't guess this shit. Start, it's it's not just the fact that the drugs are different. You've got more tests, you've got more MPP. MPP aromatizers, test aromatizers, you're at a different body mass. All these things are changing. So you're okay in starting with your original um, AI program. Uh, but then test your levels, see if it's working, see if it's efficient, see if it needs adjusting. Don't just bloody guess it. Yeah, I'm with you. 
you, you can kind of like ballpark it to get started, right? And then yeah, you can get get in the range and then fine tune it with a test, and then yeah. at least you know you're not, you know, you're not going into this thinking, fucking hell, I've I've got Eastern levels at two hundred fucking p mole or three hundred p mole, and I've got gyno and I'm watery. You know, you're going to be there or thereabouts, and then just fine tune it. Yeah. Oh, uh, William, client of mine. He's referring to the uh, intra workout. So he has to wake up at like three o'clock in the morning in order to train before work. So he uses an intra workout basically because he doesn't have any other food in the system before he trains. We get in like a little protein and he does the intra workout first thing in the morning training. So, there, you know, there's another, like you said, Dave, it's not your go to, but. You know, there's there's situations when we look at individual oh, yeah, people I mean, where it could be a better benefit than others. Yeah, particularly if you're diet restricted or or like the situation you have there where it's it's time constraints. Yeah. Uh, we're moving fast, man. Aromasin. How long is Aromasin active for in the body? I have 25 milligram tablets that can't be divided. I'm going to be. Uh, doing daily administration of test probe and D ball, the anabol. Will the aromasin be ef- efficient, effective Monday, Wednesday, Friday? Um, what about just taking aromasin twice a week? It'll be fine with twice a week. I think it's five days, isn't it? Half life on aromasin. I can't remember. I'm not sure. I can tell I you, dude, it doesn't work great for me. Do Google, just Google it and find out the alpha. I think he's fine. Right. Yeah, sure like, give me fine. a second here. Let's let's do a little uh, little Google for you guys. We're gonna do some Google. Uh, here. Well, there's no point. Uh, I'm sure it's five days. <laughs> All right, I bet you're right. Um. All right, let's see what we got here. Oh no, 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 no. Um, 24 hours half-life. Terminal half-life of 24 hours. No, no, I apologize. It is 24 hours. Um, uh, yeah, it says it on a couple sources. So, yeah. Uh, dur- so, duration uh, of action is four to five days. Ah, right, sorry. I've got mixed up. I apologize. There you go. So, twice a week is viable, uh, but you could dose it. If you're dosing your prop, EOD, you could dose your aromas in EOD. But I would have thought 25 is probably going to be a little bit overkill, depending on how much prop you're planning on taking. So he says you can't divide it, can't divide the tabs. I'm guessing he has uh, like UGL capsules or, or something like that. You can you can open a capsule up and even, dude, I'll tell you what, man, I've done that more than once in my life and had to eyeball it. It might not be absolute. I mean, you get a gram scale or milligram scale, but, you know. You can eyeball it and get pretty close. Like, you know, here's half of a stack the, of powder. The thing is, it, it's so what you got to remember is with like test prop, test prop obviously peaks quite quickly and then it drops off. You know, it's got 72 hour half life, so it's going to drop off quite rapidly. Yeah. But the estrogen the conversion is in delay. So doing test prop Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or EO day, you're going to get fairly, you know, fairly stable. What? He's doing it every day. He's doing the probe daily. Oh, sorry. Right, okay. So he's going to be fairly stable. But his aromatization is always going to be in lag. So yeah, for sure. You, you don't need to overthink this too much. Um, and by getting in, I mean, if you're doing twice a week, you're doing every three and a half days anyway. So you're going to, again, you're going to build up levels of aromacin in your system because there's an overlap. Yeah. So that's going to build and build and build, and then it will get to a plasma stability level six, seven weeks in. Um, so you don't have to be too finite with it because you're also dealing with, so the aromasin that you take with jab one is going to probably drop your estrogen to a low level because you've not got the full aromatization of the test prop that you've put in. He's using D-ball too. Cool. That's cool. Well, okay, D-ball is going to be very quick. I missed that. Is he? Is he yeah. he's using D-ball. Yep. Oh. He didn't say the dose on, on it. Right, okay. Oh, yeah, so he did. I apologize. So D-ball's going to aromatize quick. Yeah, so it then may be worth looking at um, an EOD protocol for, for the D-ball. But if if you're – I mean, if you can't half the times because they're not scored, 
get a tablet splitter, use a razor blade, whatever. If it's capsules, you can break them, but it is a pain in the ass. Yeah. If if you can't, you're just gonna have to do, you know, twice a week. It's not perfect, but it'll do the job. It'll be good enough. I found for myself personally, I used contest prep Aromasin once. And, um, it just, I had a hard time keeping things under control and I started getting some nipple sensitivity and I would dose it. And then, you know, if I missed it, here's what I found. I had to take it every day. I was using a higher dose test at the time. And if I missed a dose of aromasin, I would almost instantly get sensitivity. If I could stay on top of it and remember, then I wouldn't versus Arimidex. I feel like it's, a, there's a little bit more margin of error with it for me personally. Well, Arimidex is harsher anyway. Um, yeah, it's, it's much more it's a much more efficient AI anyway. Uh, but obviously, it's it's much more um, damaging to HDL levels as well. Sure. All right, what else we got here? Um, oh, grapefruit juice thing. Okay. Uh, what's up, Neven from Canada? He says another great show. Question for the next episode. Thank you, by the way. Uh, grapefruit juice as a potentiator for many is a potentiator for many medications some pain meds say not to mix grapefruit juice with them can grapefruit juice be used as a potentiator for oral anabolics uh, if not uh, is there anything that can be taken with orals to help them break down and absorb better yeah healthy fats oral anabolics are fat soluble you don't need to break them down. They, they break down fine. The problem is that they will bind with non-dietary fat and pass through your gut transit. If you take them with healthy fats, i.e. bioavailable fats, like then those fats will help. Yes, like McDonald's and KFC. Um, White Castle. Those fats will... Is White Castle still going? Oh, we got White Castle. They're, they're not as... Yeah. There's, they're not as prevalent as some other chains like McDonald's, but they're, they're around... Um, so if you take it with healthy fats, the, the, the oral anabolic will bind with healthy fats and therefore get absorbed into your system much better. But you, you don't have to be worried about breaking down in the stomach. That isn't a concern. The, the concern is that they bind with non-dietary and pass through. Do you guys have White Castle? No? No. No, I just remember it from back in the day. Did you go there? No, I never actually got. Um, I, I, when I was in this, last time I was in the States, like long term. Yeah. You know, that was 30 odd years ago. <clears throat> and uh, I never actually got to White Castle. But I, at the time, White Castle was regarded as being a lot better than McDonald's. I don't think that's still the case. Yeah, they, they call them sliders and they're kind of greasy little burgers. Oh, okay. Yeah, I know what a slider is, but I'm not I'm not fan of greasy burgers. Um, the whole grapefruit juice thing. It, it's that it it doesn't help it break down better. It actually is the opposite. It, it keeps it from metabolizing. It blocks the breakdown. And so your blood levels go higher. And so there's like, <clears throat> excuse me, certain blood pressure medications that will be affected. You know, you, you got to be careful with it. My thought is, is, okay, when I first learned about this and I was like, oh man, I'm going to do it with my first D-ball cycle. I got to stock up on grapefruit juice. But the reality is, it's, it's not a perfect science, so you don't know what you're doing and what you're getting exactly. It's not going to necessarily be stable. If you want more D-ball in your system, my answer would be to take a little more D-ball. Take more D-ball, yeah. <laughs> you know? At least yeah, that you guy, can control. Stop over-sizing thing, guy. You know, you, you can really get lost down a rabbit hole with this shit. Keep it simple. Keep it basic. It's much more easy to manage. You'll do much better out of it. Agreed. Agreed. We're moving through these, Dave. Question for the next up podcast on 50 milligrams every day. Another D-ball question of Deanna Ball. I like how everybody's calling it Deanna Ball. No, I like that. That's good. Um, and the lower it's back Di bumps. Right. It's Diana Ball. Okay. Diana Ball. Deanna Ball. Yeah, I guess no, you're not. right. Because it's, it's named Diana after Ball. his wife. Did you know that? Right, so exactly, and I mean, you know, Michael Jackson didn't sing, sing about dirty Deanna, did it? <laughs> I'm sure Deanna. Yeah, you know what? Well, though, did, there did are it. the women out there. It'll be like you know. No, you mean fucking needy fucks that want to change and look important by pronouncing their name a stupid yeah. way. It's not Karen. It's Karine. Yeah, Karine. 
It's not like David. You call you, it's it's David. Like you call yourself. You call yourself Skiot. Skiot. Hello, yeah. welcome back to Drugs and Stuff. My name is Skiat, and I'm with David. Thank you for tuning in to another podcast here at Think Big Bodybuilding Media. If we've provided value to you today, then please consider contributing to our show. You can help support the show through Patreon. Every $5 helps to pay for the software and the hardware and everything else that goes into making a podcast. You can also contribute by using our code at True Nutrition. True Nutrition has been our title sponsor for several years now. I'm super grateful for them. And I've believed in True Nutrition supplements long before they sponsored our programming. You could use our code THINK for health supplements and performance supplements. Feel free to hit me up if you have any questions. And if you're in Canada, check out supplementsource.ca. They have free shipping over $99, huge discounts on overstock, short dated, and label change products. Plus, they have all your normal supplements too. Thank you guys for listening to the commercial. I hope you're having a great day and that your bodybuilding is going well. Let's get back to the shelf. <laughs> All right, David. He says, uh, "He says lower back pumps are absolutely killing me. I can't walk for two minutes without having to take a break. I struggle with SLDLs. SLDLs. Stiff leg dead. Oh, I'm thinking of like I was thinking of like uh, like a disorder. You looking for a drug? What? Yeah, I was thinking of a disorder. He says adding and removing plates." On the leg press, takes three times as long. I get enough salt and some taurine. It didn't help. I haven't noticed any of this on Deanabol before at the same dosage. Why is this suddenly an issue? Is it age-related? Um, is there a way to negate lower back pain commonly and still enjoy, completely and still enjoy D-ball? It's early, guys. I'm having a hard time here. Lower back pumps are associated with orals, particularly stuff like D-ball and Oxy and, and the other. But you can alleviate it to a huge extent by being on top of your hamstring and glute flexibility. One of the actual biggest causes about lower back pumps is the fact that your glutes and hams get tight. They stop moving properly, so they start to push tension back up into your lower back. The lower back muscle then has to work harder, so it pumps. It pumps up, and as a result, it gets painful. Um Obviously, things like taurine will help with lower back pump. Managing your estrogen levels will help with lower back pump. But a lot of it is potentially down to the fact that you've got tight, tight hamstrings and tight glutes. Yeah, I could see that. I would go a little different direction, but I could definitely see that. What? Well, go your little different direction and <laughs> fucking say it then, you knobhead. I, I would say... He says he gets enough sodium. I would honestly say you might be getting too much sodium. You might be getting too many minerals in general. Like you might need to be flushing that shit out. You might need to clean your diet up. I found that guys who are on D-ball and they eat a sloppier diet, that they're going to hold a lot more water. You know, that, that D-ball, you're going to be holding a shit ton of minerals and you're going to just be like loading up on fluid. So drink more water, flush that stuff out, get drier. And then I think you'll have less problems. That said, I still think Dave's advice is extremely valid. Oh, you smarmy twat. What does that mean? Well, you could have just said, I think Dave was talking a crock of fucking shit. And I think it's actually this. But no, you have to try and make it sound nice when you don't agree with me. Just, just I didn't say. not agree with you just, because just you, might be right. you. you might be right. You might be right. But oh, this would be an alternative to your suggestion. I'll translate. <laughs> don't think that, Dave, you're a fat ginger fuck. You don't know what you're talking about. This is what the real answer is. That's what Scott just said. <laughs> uh, Bill says... Um, John Meadows suggests doing some concentrated crunches to move the blood. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like getting the blood somewhere else. If you pull and I, if you get the blood to your abs, you get it out of your lower back. I remember somebody saying that before about John. All right. What else we got here, guys? We're getting through this one. It's early. Yeah, but we are struggling today. I must have. <laughs> 
We're doing our best. All right, guys. It's a free podcast. You didn't, just remember you didn't pay anything for this other than your valuable time, which you can't get back. Yeah. We apologize <laughs> for wasting an hour of your life. <laughs> um, there's some good stuff in here still. Question for the next episode. I'm 40 years old. Uh, I have been running Chinese generic HGH for almost three years now, and I use various doses to keep my IGF around 250. I'm wondering if, if this is a good range for longevity and overall health. And also, I'm sick of guessing and doing lab tests. Um, how do I know about if I'm getting, uh, how do I, how do I go about getting real pharmaceutical grade HGH for a, from a real doctor? Is it even possible in the Onis in the UK? Um, I know you can buy pharmaceutical grade GH on the black market, but you never know if it's been messed up, stored incorrectly, etc. Source wise, you're not going to get pharmaceutical GH from a doctor in the UK. The UK is not allowed to prescribe GH in that manner, unlike the States where it is. Um, I would question the legitimacy of most pharma gh on the black market if i'm honest um but there's some pretty good generics out there the chinese do produce some decent shit um Ansonum's very very good that's a, a chinese farmer that's readily available um but you're always going to have a problem with the so-called pharma ghs um regards the igf levels Mm, I honestly can't answer that. But I think that's a Scott question. Not I, you, the proper Scott, the clever Scott, not you, you fucking useless. Of course, I don't know that much, but I can tell you this that 250, <laughs> you said 250 on IGF. That would be like the upper, and I know this because I'm in his age group, that it would be the upper limit of normal. So you're talking about just optimizing. IGF levels. He asked, is that good for longevity? Um, if we look at like a lot of the rejuvenation people, like people, not like TRT, quote unquote, it's, it's, rejuvenation, it's like, the opposite. like real the opposite. rejuvenation. Yeah, they, they want your IGF levels to be lower. Metformin is one of the more popular drugs in that crowd, not the bodybuilding crowd, but people who are trying to live as long as they possibly can. They want to reduce IGF levels. IGF levels have been shown to increase your quality of life, but possibly shorten duration versus keeping those levels lower um, may increase your level, your your length of life, but maybe won't improve the quality. There's been rat studies done on this. Rhonda Patrick, Dr. Rhonda Patrick has talked a lot about it. If you search her name in IGF one, you'll find a bunch of really cool shit more than we could tell you about. So check her out. I think the bottom line is growth is going to remain you feeling youthful, but it's not going to extend your life. While lowering IGF is going to extend your life, but you're going to feel an old twat for doing it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. So you just just put it in, in proper language instead of trying to be old fancy and technical. All right, Philip is with us. He says, question for the next episode. I'm 40-year-old male. Um, I have been running. Oh, wait. We already just, we just did Philip's question. Never mind. Never mind. Did I screen cap that twice? No, I didn't. It's just me. It's just me. Um, question for Dave. How did you cope I with. Cope. I can't cope. You can't cope? No. You've had, a, you've had a long day already. I can't cope. Go on. How did I cope with gear flu when you were at your highest doses? Yeah. You did that good. You did a good job. Did you get gear flu? Did. did you get it? Gear flu? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What, what I've always found with stuff like test flu and things like that is that you, you've got sort of three or four weeks of feeling of shit. Uh, and obviously, towards the back end of that period of time, it, it eases and then you're good to go. But if, if paracetamol, Lensip, that was the sort of go to's if I really felt bad with it. But uh, and I used to get it quite regular. But once I was into a cycle, I was fine. It was only the initial period of getting into the cycle where I found it a problem. Do you want to tell people? Uh, no, I don't want to ask you if you want to tell people. Let me rephrase that. Dave, would you tell people uh, what test flu is or what we suspect it is? 
No. I tried to word it in a way that you would do it. Dave, please tell people. I just figured we like we're going to try to educate people a little bit. Like why why are people getting test flu? There's there's two there's two mechanisms potentially at play here. So the first thing is that uh, ASS is um, slightly suppressive, um, or it occupies your immune system. Maybe a better way of putting it. So. We are constantly fighting off low-level viruses, low-level bacterial infections, and we never get any symptoms from these. We don't feel ill. We feel generally, we might feel a little bit maybe off one day or something, but that's as far as it goes. Because our immune system deals with it, fucks it off, and we carry on as normal. When you add gear, your immune system can often respond to that. In fact, if you look at bloods on pretty much everybody that uses, you'll see low-level neutrophils, which is one of our white cells. And this because the neutrophils are constantly being used in an attempt to fight the gear because the body recognizes it as a foreign body. And as a result, neutrophil levels are low because your body just can't keep up with production. So this slight loading of the immune system means that when it comes that we get exposed to a, a mild virus and stuff sometimes, or if we're already carrying a mild virus that we're dealing with, the gear can be the straw that breaks a camel's back, so to speak, and that then virus breaks through and we end up symptomatic uh, as our immune system tries to get on top of it. So that's one mechanism. The second mechanism is that our body responds in a strong way to the presence of the anabolic. Um, now, most of the symptoms you feel from a cold or a virus isn't actually the virus, it's the response of your immune system. So temperature and things like that are actually due to your immune system and it working. So when the body starts to try and attack the gear and it doesn't physically do anything to it, so don't panic that, oh, I've got test flu, so I've destroyed all my tests in my system with my immune system, it doesn't happen. But you get these uh, flu-like symptoms. So you feel shitty uh, and you get a temperature and everything else. Uh, generally, this will only happen at the start of a cycle as levels start to elevate once blood plasma levels start to stabilize everything starts to settle back down uh, and your symptoms will go like any flu response or cold response immune response you can negate the side effect we can drink the sides of it with paracetamol it's not ideal but it just depends on how bad your your response is uh, i can and have got flu test flu quite bad at times but literally a, a cold medication like Lemsip, or so, I don't know if you have that in the States. Do you have a Lemsip in the States? I don't know if it is, but it's by a different name. So it's, um, it's like a lemony drink. They go in different flavors now, but you've, it's like got paracetamol in there. and decongestant Oh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. I think we do have that. Yeah, so um, I, they, they used to work wonders for me. Uh, but, um, yeah, the other thing, if it's really bad, is you may have to stage your your dosing a little bit trickle it up you know pyramid it in um in order so that you don't get the same here or or space your injections out across a greater period of time so instead of doing like two mil on a monday you might have to do half a mil on monday tuesday thursday friday uh in order to to, to sort of lower it a little bit because all those will help uh reduce the impact okay thank you dave thank you for for helping on the show today. My brain's tired now. I can see that. Um, question for the next show. Have you seen any anecdotal evidence via blood work that shows that uh, the straight, the androgenic strength of a drug increases liver toxicity of said drug, whether the drug is methylated or not? I tell you this, that the ester of a drug, like we, we think we're in the clear when we do an injectable, but a faster acting drug will put more strain on the liver than a longer acting drug. And I've seen that. I've been told by a doctor first, and then I've seen it in real life. 
the, most methylated drugs just by the nature of how they're dealt with by the body are going to be more liver toxic because they are designed to withstand breakdown by the liver. Right. Um, so as a result, they are going to stress the liver. Is there a link with androgenicity? Um, most injectables are regarded scientifically as being non-hepatoxic. But I don't think when these studies and thoughts were ever done, they ever considered that there was anybody going to be using two, three plus grams a gear. And obviously there is a, there is an overall stress factor. So dose definitely does play into it, whether it's directly androgenesis, I'm not certain. Um, trend's a difficult one because of how trend affects other mechanisms. So trend affects how we deal with information. It causes our bodies to be much more inflamed. This obviously has an impact on liver health. Trend has a direct action at the kidneys. This obviously has an impact on liver health. So I'm not sure if trends associated liver stress is a direct action from trend passing through the liver or if it's more secondary actions because of how trend affects other mechanisms within the body. Um, but yes, there are orals that appear to be milder on liver stress than others. How true that is in science I don't know, is, is the honest answer, because I've never really looked at it. There's a lot of folklore that... Anaplons, for Scott's benefit, are extremely liver toxic, and it's just not the case. You know, they're, they're not much, really, any more toxic than any other oral. Um, so it is a little bit of a harsh one, uh, a hard one to be exact on. But I would have said that the, the, the thought that the androgenicity of a drug could have a, an impact on its harshness on the body, I would agree with that completely. Whether that's specific to liver or not, I, I, I'm not sure. You'll like this comment from Matt. People need to stop using the term TRT when they're just randomly picking their own testos. <laughs> On TRT, uh, 300? I don't know. Right now? Uh, uh, it's good. It's good. It's all the... It's, it's, um, I mean, the big popular thing now within the user community is sports TRT, isn't it? Which is Broderick's thing with Test and Primo. Oh. Or Test and Mass. <sighs> Pussy Slayer 2000 <laughs> says Dave looks like a Monty. We still have names coming in for you. Isn't, isn't that... No, oh, it doesn't matter. I'm sure that name was on the side of a van or something in a film. I uh, feel like anybody named oh, Pussy, Pussy Slayer, Wagon, Pussy Slayer 2000, he's pretty good at naming things. He's pretty good at name. In fact, yeah, it's just it's a good name. <laughs> it's in the quite a name. <laughs> he, he, he wins the viewer name of the week award. I think you have to say on that one. But is that his given name? You know. Yeah, his 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 mum. His mum was called Slayer 2000, yeah. yeah. That's his family name, yeah. Imagine, like, when he meets his girlfriend's parents. <laughs> She's like, saying, Dad, saying that. I want you to meet Pussy Slayer 2000. This is my new boyfriend. Uh, I know someone who has genuinely renamed themselves. Uh, um, I'll have to tell you off air, but, um, yeah, it's uh, funny. Is it, is it somebody that we know, like I know? No, no, it's somebody I know. Mm, okay. All right. Um, let's see. Do we have one more here? One more good one that we can throw in. <sighs> What's this? Oh, this is an easy one, huh? Uh, can you swap DECA for Trend E mid-cycle? Uh, should you come off the DECA and wait two weeks before, in the trend, before throwing the trend in? Any help would be appreciated. Yeah, you can swap them. Not sure. a problem. What about overlap? Yeah, but so I'm doing, I'm going to say I'm doing 400 mega decker a week. Okay, so I'm doing it in two shots. I'm doing 200 on Monday, 200 on Thursday. Yeah. I've got 400 milligrams of anandrolone going in a week. I then swap to trend. So I'm doing 200 decker, then go 200 trend, 200 trend. There isn't a big change 
as to whether I was doing 200 Decker in that next injection or doing 210 in that next round, I'm still injecting an Andrelon. It has a slightly higher progesterone response at the PR, granted. It, it's obviously got no aromatization, unlike Decker that has a milder aromatization. So there are some changes. But you're not, people start saying, oh, well, you can't have Tren and Decker together. Well, why not? Yeah. As long as you manage that totality of those drugs, and if you've replaced one for the other, then you're not, you're not, you're, you're, your overall levels aren't going to be any much higher than they would be anyway, from a point of view of Nandrolone in your system. Because you're still just using 200 milligrams of an Nandrolone. Yeah, it's a different compound and it has different effects and everything else. But it, it's, it, it would be like saying, I, I'm, I'm using 200 milligram of test E twice a week and I'm going to swap to Sust. So do I need to stop with test E for three weeks before I start with Sust? I think that, you know what, if you wanted to be really careful and you were really concerned, you could give it a week, right? You know, if you were really concerned about it, you give it a week. Would you probably be okay? I'm with you, Dave. I think you would probably be okay. I don't don't think there's any particular issue with the one drug following the other drug in in any sense. It's just it's a different drug with different side effects. Um. That's all, but I mean, you're not, you're not really changing the chemical profile that much. I've never stacked Tren and Deca together. I've heard some people because it's something that used to be said on the boards, like never do, no, you know, don't stack two Nandrolones. Although I will say, then occasionally I've met people that say, hey, I like it. You know, works fine for me. Works good for me. Part of it's I, probably I, dosing. I, I'm sure it's individual. You know. Yeah, I mean, I stack, I stack Decker and MPP. Love it, absolutely fucking love it. And it's like, well, it's the same drug. It is, but it just has a completely different action when you put the two together. It's kind of like stacking probe and long acting test. There's a benefit to that for some people in some situations, yeah. for sure. That's what Skip. Yeah. Skip loves that. Skip doesn't do Sustanon, but he'll he loves a combo of fast acting and short acting tests. Excuse me, long acting yeah. and fast acting. We got one more question from last week. I forgot to bring it up. Somebody was like, Dave, you never talk about your coaching. They're like, you never, neither of us ever do. You realize that like, this is, we don't like actually do this show. Like this isn't our, what we do. You know what I mean? Like this is fun. Well, to be honest, if this is what we do, we'd be fucking poor. Yeah, there is that. Because <laughs> we're a bit shit at it. <laughs> well, we, we, yeah, we, we don't ever claim, like, like I said, you guys get this for free. Although, you know what though? When- the truth is, is that um, I think we we are helping some people, especially the newer guys that that you know need help with these questions. So I do think we're doing a good thing, and I do think there is some harm reduction benefit because you know what, uh, this kind of content wasn't always available, and people were you know mixing things and doing things maybe that could have gotten themselves in more trouble. So hopefully we're hopefully we're helping to reduce some harm, as you would say, but. But occasionally we do put a decent one out. Not very often, but occasionally we do. Just stick with us, guys. Guys, the next yeah. one will be better. You might get one out of ten if you're lucky. Um, but yeah, we never talk about our coaching. We really don't. And literally, that's that's how we both make our living. So we we probably should so, be better at promoting that. So pay me money, and I'll tell you what stuff to do. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Um, Coaching-wise, I'm surprisingly, possibly to some people, because of my personal history, I'm actually a little bit slow with the drugs. Uh, I'm not one to put people on cycle early. I'm not one to put people on cycle straight away. I will tend to keep people off while we build a foundation in the diet and training. I'm very, very training-focused. I am a, a big training fan. I feel it is the most important aspect, and I do like to spend a bit of time getting people to get their training working for them. I would agree, dude. And my whole, my whole approach is if you can't get a response naturally, and I'm not saying that you're going to put ten pound on as a natural naturally, but if if you can't see improvement naturally, uh, then there's no point taking drugs because the base mechanism underneath everything isn't working. Yeah, you need to elicit a natural change. It doesn't have to be massive, but you need to elicit in a natural change. So you need to be seeing either strength improvements or muscle mass improvements naturally, even if they're very small. 
because then when you add the drugs, they will accelerate that process. Yeah. Where versus... if, you use, if you're using the drugs to create that process, then when you remove the drugs, you lose that process and you regress. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, does everyone get to it? No, I, I'm not. I do very little comp prep, uh, mainly just a time thing, because obviously comp prep is very time consuming for both you and the client. And I'm just not available enough for people to to be able to message me thought and feeling. Well, saying that some of my regular clients say that, but um, you know, it just gets difficult to manage prep clients. So I have a very small number of prep clients, and I only take people on for prep that I've worked with for an extended period of time, just for the simple reason is I need to know them. Um, but other than that, um, yeah, I mean, my my thing's getting people big. That's what I know. That's what I'm good at. You do a good job at that, too. The people I've seen you work with, man, you've been able to put a lot of muscle on people. If people do as they're told, I'll get them growing. I I would even put a money-back guarantee to that. I I wish I was feeling better. If I was feeling better, Dave, I would love to take you up on that and make, like, a project out of it. That would be fun if I was doing all right right now. But... It'd be hard to keep up with the food you have, people. It's it's a lot of food you have putting in those guys that have... Because I've seen some guys you've made some pretty big transformations with. Yeah, but, you know, obviously people people commit at different levels. Um, So what I try and do is just give people the maximum return they can get for the effort they're willing to put in. And I don't, I don't, I don't think the guy that lives and breathes bodybuilders, trains like a lunatic and dedicate every life is any different or any better than the person that goes out on a weekend, has a few beers, cheats a little bit, doesn't quite hit his training. You know, they're still credible people. It's just, I'll try and get you the best return I can for what you're willing to spend in the fence of effort on on achieving your goal. That's a great way of putting it, man. Because if you, as a coach, if you were to judge everybody who isn't able to be 100%, you're going to be disappointed, first of all. And second of all, it's not fair to the client, you know, because we're all in our own places in life, yeah. you know. I um, I've had clients that have so much potential, yeah, but just don't want to do it. And it's like, well, I would rather them be that way than do it and be miserable. Because yeah. what sort of fucking life is that? Yeah. A couple of guy, one kid was phenomenal, fucking amazing. Really, could have been something special, but he just he didn't. He, he he wanted to do other things. He wanted to go out and do hiking and camping and rowing and all sorts of different activities. Yeah. And so the training was just part of what he did, and and that that was what made him happy. So that was the best approach for him. So you know, it, it's it's not they're not wasting their god given talent if they're enjoying their life. Yeah. Yeah, that's true, man. So my only adage is, if if you're not willing to do, and I think people underestimate the work it takes as well, and I think that's part of the industry, that people don't really realise how much work actually goes into certain physiques. But if you've got average genetics and average ability in the sense of, of dedication to training and effort and everything else, you can still build a respectable physique to be proud of on the beach. Absolutely. Everybody can always do better is what it comes down to. You know, if you want to put whatever amount of work you want to put in, obviously the more you're willing to commit, the more you can probably achieve. Hence my fatness because it's relation to how much I'm willing to put into a diet. We haven't mentioned your shirt, by the way, Uh, guys like comment, like all that. If you, if you like Dave's shirt, Uh, this is my wife just to, just reaffirming that I am fat. All right. Listen, let's get out of here, man. I know you had a busy day. I'm literally still just waking up. Uh, I'm glad we could get the show in, even though, you know, both of us uh, faced some challenges getting the show together today. And I, I hope that you, the rest of your busy day goes um, swimmingly. Is that a British? Was that very British? Yes, that's, that's a British thing. Yeah. All right. Guys, tune in to the next episode. We'll, we promise it'll be better. Um, at least we'll try. And check out our sponsors. Why? Am um, I not on the next episode? It'll definitely be better if I'm not here. <laughs> check out our great sponsors while we still have them. TrueNutrition.com. Use our code THANK for some additional savings. Uh, SupplementSource.ca. Get your ephedrine and all sorts of other really great supplements there for discounted prices. Uh, go to evalbloodenoisis.com. 
make sure that you order a pizza. Dave will bring it to your house. Uh, if he's not there in 30 minutes, your blood work is absolutely free. Have Have you organized this sponsorship with Lamborghini yet? I'm working on it. You're not I, working on it very well, are you? I told them I know you, Dave, from Yorkshire. You can't say shit like that. They just won't talk to you. <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in the live feed. We appreciate you. We'll see you guys soon. Thanks, Dave. Bye-bye.